Tonight we are entering into the fifth chapter of this great epistle. I do want to draw your attention also to the end of chapter 4. Now you will remember that at the end of chapter 4 we have a description of Jesus the high priest. Verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens Jesus the Son of God. And now in chapter 5 we come to a description of every high priest. That is of every other high priest. So what the apostle here is doing he's making a comparison between Jesus the Son of God great high priest with every other high priest who Paul describes in verses 1 through to 4. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men and things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity for by reason hereof he ought as for the people so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honour unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So you can see there, there is clearly a contrast and a comparison. We have verses 14 to 16, the great high priest Jesus Christ. And then we have the Levitical priesthood, and the Levitical priesthood was of God. There was no high priest in the Levitical priesthood who took that honour upon himself. He was chosen of God as it descended down through the generations. Paul is comparing the two priesthoods then. There are two names to highlight in each group, each capacity. In verse 14 there is Jesus. And then in chapter 5, verse 4, at the end, one of these high priests of the Levitical order is named the first Aaron. So there's Jesus and Aaron, but not only Aaron, because the apostle says every high priest, so there were more after Aaron, there were people that followed Aaron. Aaron had descendants, Aaron died, and there were those who followed in his track. So Aaron wasn't alone. He died and there's someone else came in his place. So Paul is speaking about the order of Aaron, the Levitical high priesthood on one side and on the other side Jesus, this great high priest. Paul, he gets all of this from the Bible. He gets it from the word of God. He's bringing us to the scriptures. And he's going to use the scriptures to cut through the topology, to cut through the ritual, and to show to us the living and the true and the real, Jesus Christ. And these are the shadows, the picture prophecies, the Levitical type. Now, as you compare them, the priestly office of Christ and the priestly office of Aaron, there is one thing in my mind that stands out. And I, I'm sure it's in the Apostle's mind. Because it is quite a major theme in his epistle. 
I want to highlight two expressions, one in each section. We have there, first of all, in chapter 4, verse 14, passed into the heavens. That captures the essence of what I'm going to say tonight. Passed into the heavens. And then the other expression describing the Levitical high priesthood, chapter 5, verse 1, among men, among men on the earth, earthly, Jesus into the heavens, and Aaron and the Levitical type on the earth, among men merely, dealing with the tabernacle, dealing with that which is on the earth, and Jesus is dealing with that which is in the heavens. So what we have here in the comparison is we have on the one hand the invisible because that's what it means into the heavens we, we, we can't see that that's beyond that's invisible that's the unseen and then on the other hand there is this among men this visible and it's visible to the eyes among men and that's what I want to speak about tonight the visible and the invisible. The seen and the unseen, which is an actual fact. The visible is the unreal. It's not the substance. Whereas the invisible, that is the real. The invisible things are the real, the unseen. And so we want to think about it in that way. And as I said, it's, it's a major theme in the epistle to the Hebrews. That's why I read those selected verses that I did, because that's a theme prominent in those verses. Remember in the description of faith, what is faith? Faith is the evidences of things not seen. The evidence of the invisible. The evidence of the eternal and the real. That's faith. And that's what is very evident in these verses that we bring before you tonight. So let's look at the high visibility priesthood. First of all, of Aaron, the Levitical priesthood. Now notice how Paul starts us, as I said in verse 1, every high priest taken from among men in things pertaining to God is ordained that he may offer gifts, many gifts, Many sacrifices for sins. And as I said, he means Aaron. As was Aaron. And those who followed him. They were the ones you could see. There were many because they weren't suffered to continue by reason of death. And so Aaron died and he went to dust. And they had to get somebody else who was highly visible. To take the place and to carry out the visible ritual. This is always among men. This this work, this Levitical work. And so whenever one died, another one appeared. And you could see him. And all these priests were always present among men. Now it is true that once a year they, they passed into a very dark place, the Holy of Holies. But you could still hear them. And they were still coming out again. And it was always visible. Always. They weren't taken from angels, you see. 
They weren't sent from heaven. They weren't taken from the cherubim. But they're taken from among men. And everybody will see it. It's that high priest now. And the next generation. It's that high priest now. He's, he's visible. And so this is not just telling us that he's a human. He's a man. But he's telling us that the high priest. The Levitical high priest. Was known. He was seen daily. Not only seen daily. But he was, he was highly visible. He was well dressed, we know. He wore glorious garments. They stood out. So visible. Had this breastplate and all these gems and jewels on it and, and the sun heading it and sparkling all over the place. All visible. All seen. And then he had even the, the bonnet and the words in Hebrew, holiness unto the Lord. It could all be read, it could all be seen. And then he offered incense, you could smell it. And he had bells around the skirts of his garment, you could hear it. It was tickling all the senses, the, the feeling, the hearing, the smelling, the seeing, the seeing. The visible, yet the unreal and the unsubstantial. And that's what the, the apostle is, is bringing out here. And if you, you look at the words in verses 1 to 4, you'll see he's ordained for men. And people could see that. Aaron's dead now. So somebody else comes in this place in the commandment of God. And he's ordained. And he's set apart. And he's anointed with the holy oil. All visible. And then he offers gifts and sacrifices. Plural. Gifts for this and gifts for the Lord for that. And Sacrifices for this sin and that sin all the time. High visibility, blood shedding, smells, the bleeding of the animals and the beasts and the throes of death. All highly sensitive to the flesh. There it is. And in his pastoral work, he can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way as he visits them or as the lepers come to him to, to show to them their leprosy. He's having compassion on them. He's helping them. He's trying to encourage them uh, through the word of God. It's all visible. It's all seen. It's all known about in Israel as they come to the priest in their ignorance and in their leprosy or whatever. And they see that he's compassed about with infirmity as well. And that's why he has compassion because even he may get leprosy. And even he has infirmities. And even he falls into sin. At times this, this Levitical high priest. It's all visible. And you see he has to offer sins for himself. Doesn't it say that? I mean this isn't Jesus high priest. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to offer the gifts and sacrifices. Plurality. Many of them all the time. No but these priests do. And they have to offer sacrifices for himself. And everybody's watching it. Oh there's a priest. He's offering a sacrifice for himself. It's all seen and known. He does this as a Levitical high priest. And there are all the smells, as I say, the tangible, the material, the noises, ritual that is seen and loved by the people. So that's the visible in chapter 5. But let's go now to the invisible. 
at the end of chapter 4. While the Levitical high priesthood is visible, a, a priesthood on earth, where it's all seen and observed and watched, Jesus' priesthood is not like that. There's nothing about it that's seen. There's no glorious dress. There's no bonnet that we can look at. There's no incense and smells that we can see and observe for the material flesh. Jesus is not on earth. Jesus is not seen because he's gone into the invisible. He's gone into the unseen. What does it say there? Verse 14. Passed into the heavens. In other words, he's gone to glory and he's not seen anymore. Just like we can't see the angels and we can't see God in heaven. We can't see thrones in heaven. We don't know what heaven is like. It's unseen by mortal eye. And that's where the Lord is. And this word passed through is very interesting. And Paul has very carefully selected it. Just to make sure we understand that he has made a journey that has passed him into the invisible realm. Because this is a word of a pilgrim. A word of travel. Whenever pilgrims make a journey through a land, a country, they pass through. They pass through the country. And the Lord Jesus Christ here, he is the pilgrim who is passing through the country of heaven. It doesn't just say he passed through earth. It says he passed through the heavens. Into the heavens, as, as, the, as our translators put it here, but he's actually passed through the heavens. He's made a journey through heaven too, you know. From the gate to, to a place particularly in heaven that he had to go to. He's made a journey through heaven itself. And all of that is invisible. All of that is un, unseen. Remember how we saw in the start of our studies, the first pilgrim? He's the first pilgrim who's made the journey, who's gone into the heavens and passed through the country of the heavens and has gone right to the throne of grace. He's a pioneer. He's the one who's gone before. In other words, he's not going to be on his own. There's people following him. There's people coming after them, after him. He's bringing them with him as the pioneer and the high priest who's passed through the heavens. He's not going in on his own. He did it to bring us there too. But presently, he's in the world beyond and that's the glory and it's invisible. And as I said, he passed through heaven itself. He went through the gates of heaven. The everlasting gates were opened up and the king of glory came in and he made his way and he went to the throne of God and he was set down in the throne of God right in the center and glory of heaven. Passed right through to sit down on the throne. And it mentions the throne of grace, you see. We also can go there too. We can make the journey as well to the throne of grace. But it's all invisible. It can't be seen. It's not something tangible. It's not something that you can feel. It's not something that you can hear. It's not something that you can smell. You don't see the, the breastplate and the, the dazzling jewels the way you do on the earth. And the Jew, he can go to the temple and he can see all of that. But we don't see anything. We see nothing. It's all invisible. It's all unseen. But that doesn't mean that it's unreal. In fact, the temple and the visible and the, the seen, that's the unreal. That's not the substance. That's not really the reality. 
It's the unseen that is the substance and the real and the reality. And so Jesus, he has sat down on the right hand of God in the center of heaven. And there's this throne of grace. The Bible says that. You remember how Paul started off when he purged our sins? What did he do? Sat down on the right hand of God. Did any of us see that? Was that visible to anybody? No, not a soul. Not even the apostles saw that. They just saw Jesus disappearing. They didn't even see him sitting down on the throne. It wasn't visible. Later on, the apostle goes to say, as he summarizes all of these things up, when he deals with Aaron and when he deals later on with Melchizedek, he sums all of these things up and he says, Now, if the things which we have spoken, this is the summary, we have such an high priest who is set down on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. And nobody's ever seen that. It's invisible. Can't be seen with human eye. It can only be seen by faith. Faith. And true Christians have faith. Now if you look at verse 16, as I say, Christians make the journey too. Because they have boldness to follow Jesus. Let us therefore come boldly onto the throne of grace. This is this heavenly throne of grace, all of which is invisible. But we can go there boldly with faith. And we can go to get the grace that the Lord Jesus Christ has for us there. And this is all invisible. As I said, it's not like the tabernacle. It's not like the Holy of Holies. It's not like going and see all the priests all so busy. Oh, and there's a high priest too, doing his work ever so well. It's, it's not like that. And as I said, the Jews in Paul's day, they could visit the temple. They could go and see. And they did go and see. And every time they saw these things taking place. But we Christians don't do that. And we don't need to do that. Because Jesus is the reality. The fulfillment. And he as the one who has the real compassion. Does the real intercession. Is at the real throne of grace. And it's all invisible. Except to our faith. And so it's not materialized, brethren and sisters, you know that. And this is the big thing with Paul and the, the Hebrews. You see, there is a danger that some people need to see. They want to see something tangible. The danger is that we cannot walk by faith. That we want ritual. That we want a visible priest. That we want tangible incense. And a tangible altar. And a tangible sacrifices. Taking place before our eye. As if we need the comfort of that. This seems to have been a danger with the Hebrews you see. Thinking about going back to the temple. Thinking about going back to the ritualistic, they, they saw that the Christian synagogue, the synagogues were, were so simple. And it was all, there was nothing visible. It was just, they just sung the Psalms and read the Word. They didn't seem to miss, you know, not seeing the high priest in Jerusalem or whatever. Uh, these Hebrews uh, seem to have 
issue along these lines. Wanting to see. Wanting something visible. And that's why Paul calls them little children and little babies. In fact, later on in this chapter 5, he, he says that, doesn't he? He says there in verse 11, who we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. You're dull of hearing. He says you should have been teachers, but instead you're still on the milk. And he says there at the end of verse 13, he is a babe. That's how he thought of these Hebrews, they're little babies. What are little babies like? Well, little babies don't understand. They don't have knowledge. Little babies don't have faith. They don't see by faith. They don't know that the mother's in the next room. They don't have this rest and peace and comfort. They feel hungry and they, they cry and they bawl because of no faith. And they're desperate. They have to see. They have to feel the milk. They have to feel the warmth of the mother's breast. They have to feel the arms taking them up. They have to feel the, the tangible. Then they need that. And whenever they see the mom then, oh, the big smile and all the quietness stops and now they know they're going to get fed. They need the visible. The babe needs the visible. But that's immaturity in faith. Meaning to see something. Whenever you are mature in the faith, you have understanding and knowledge by the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God has given you understanding and discernment. And you believe. You see with the eye of faith. You believe. And you can rest and trust. And you don't have to cry and wail and be, oh, oh, so restless and so upset. As if you need to see a visible priest. No, you have faith in the invisible. In the true and the substantial and, and the real. Judaism, men and women, is just walking by sight. That's all Judaism is. It's ritual. Judaism is the things that are seen. They forget that what they see are just the shadows. And they don't have any substance in reality. And the shadows pass away. So that you are to see the substance and the reality. And Christians, they see the reality. Though invisible and unseen. Because they believe the Bible and they have faith. And this is why maybe they are fluctuating these Hebrews. We'll go back to the temple. We can see the high priest there. We like the ritual. We like this religion that makes us feel good. We like to smell the incense. We like to know the blood is being shed. We, we like that. We like to know that that priest there, oh, you can go to him. He's a nice priest and he's visible and he can, he can touch you and we can touch him and we can see that he has compassion and maybe even drop a tear down his eye. We like that. That's cosy. That makes us feel good. Maybe there's something of that here. Ritualistic religion has comfort. To those who do not have Christian faith, it has comfort. That's why the Roman Catholic religion has such appeal. It's visible. It's ritualistic. People like that. You don't have to do too much. You don't have to have faith, really. You know, you just trust the church and you go and see the visible. It makes you feel good. The love it, you know. The incense. The music. The images, the altar, the, oh, the glorious stone altar, and all the engravings, and all the Christ there, Jesus is on the crucifix, and Jesus is in the pictures and the images. Oh, it can be seen. So visible. 
And so ritualistic religion has an appeal because of this visibility. And that's why the priest is so valuable in the Church of Rome. Because people who have no true faith in Christ, they can get nice, cozy, warm feelings in the deceptiveness of priestly religion that is Christless and only deals with the, the visible. And as I say, that's why Rome has the pictures and the dress and the pomp and the, the grandness of all that are in their cathedrals and chapels. But congregation, true Christianity is not obsessed with the visible. No. The visible is temporary. The visible is dust. The visible is for the burning. The visible is not the real. It's the invisible that is the real. Paul calls the the ritual and the shadows. You know what he calls them? The beggarly elements. Don't you Hebrews want to be going to be obsessed with the beggarly elements? We have a priest that's passed through heaven itself and is in the very heart of the promised land on the throne. You see, true Christians see Jesus here by faith. As we read in Corinthians, we walk by faith, not by sight. Christians are mature there. And so to us, the heavenly is the real, the substantial. And we walk by faith. We see Jesus, didn't Paul say earlier on. Looking on to Jesus, even though he can't be seen. The main problem then with these faltering Hebrews lies in this area. Visibility, invisibility, seeing with the eye or seeing with faith. The shadows are the substance, and they seem to be choosing the shadow, the tangible. But we who have faith believe. And that's what marks a Christian. A Christian can see the invisible. A Christian can see the substance. A Christian can see the reality of Jesus there, even though it's all unseen to his material and mortal eye. Because of the word of God, we believe it. Faith comes by hearing, you see, and hearing by the word of God. We know that the Bible is God's voice. And realizing that it's God's voice, we are listening to it. And because it is God's voice, we know that we have to believe it. And in believing it, we see, we see. I think of the rich man in hell. He had no faith when he was on the earth. And he knew that he left brethren behind also who had no faith. They had no faith in Christ. They they didn't see the unseen. They didn't see the real, the real imprisonment that now he, the rich man, is in. They didn't see the real joy and fellowship of Lazarus with Abraham and the saints and God and glory. They they didn't see that. But now in hell the rich man has come to realize the, the reality of that. And he knows that his brethren have no faith. He comes up with this idea. He says, you know, Father Abraham, if you could send Lazarus to my father's house and to my five brethren there, 
and let him let it be that man himself who they knew because they didn't give him anything either they ignored the beggar too so they know him but, and they know he's dead and, but if you sent him that would make a great impression on them they would listen to him and he would tell them about hell and he would tell them how, how your brother is in the torments now and if he told them they would believe but Abraham said no, no that's not how it works he says they have Moses and the prophets. And of course they're well dead too. But he means they have their writings. Moses and the prophets. And they testify of these things. And he says. The truth is. If they don't believe Moses and the prophets. Neither will they believe. Should one rise from the dead. It would make no difference. Because faith doesn't come by. People rising from the dead. And making statements and utterances. Saving faith comes from the Bible. The word of God. It's only the word of God that helps us to see the invisible. And if the word of God doesn't work in it, all the miracles in the day aren't going to do it. And so that's true then. The Bible gives us vision to see. And if that doesn't, then we're unbelieving and unfaithful and we'll never see unless God opens our eyes in the word. And then you remember doubting Thomas. When Thomas was told, we've seen the Lord. You know, you should have been there. Listen to us, brother. It's all true and real. We saw the prince of his hands. It was him. And Thomas says, except I see. Except I touch. Except I have something tangible before me. I will not believe. And you remember how Jesus appeared to him and that great incident that took place that transformed Thomas. And he said, you're my Lord and my God. I worship you. And then Jesus said to him, Thomas, you've seen and believed. Blessed are they who do not see and yet believe. And that's the most Christians. That's the larger part of the church of Jesus Christ for the last 2,000 years. We haven't seen a thing by the material eye. But we see by faith. So he's real to us by faith. And in fact he's more real to us than even our family. And those among us. Because you know what a Christian is. A Christian is one who's left mother and father and spouse and children. To follow Christ. Because Christ is more real to them than any of that. We look not at the things which are seen Paul said. Because you see they're temporal. We look at the things which are not seen. The invisible, their eternal and the reality. And so what I'm saying, congregation, is that Christians are pilgrims, but we're not pilgrims to Jerusalem, and we're not pilgrims to the temple, and we're not pilgrims to some material tabernacle. We're not pilgrims to the shadows and the types, but we are pilgrims to the real. We go boldly to the throne of grace, so we can't see a thing about it. Except with the eye of faith. We're pilgrims to the invisible, to the unseen, to the real. We're pilgrims following Jesus, though we don't see a thing. Just travelling with the eye of faith and the word of God in our hands to give us that visibility. Our journey is not one of seeing. It's a journey of faith. And that's why Paul later on, he goes so long into Hebrews chapter 11 and all these pilgrims. 
they didn't see, except with faith. It's a wonderful chapter, and at the very essence and the heart of it is visible and invisible, seen and unseen, unreal and real. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go to a place which he should after receive for inheritance, he didn't see it. Go to a place you don't see, Abraham. Go to inheritance that I promise you, and you've never set eyes on it. He went, though he couldn't see it. In fact, he went out, he didn't even know where he was going. It was a step of faith every day, not seeing whether he went. Because he's following the word of God. And he's looking for a city. And he never saw it. And he's lying on his deathbed. And he still doesn't see it. On his deathbed even. And he's still looking for that sitting. Which that foundation. Whose builder and maker is God. And we see it in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. The faith. We're looking for that city too aren't we? But we don't see it with the material eye. You can't see it up there. They sent a mighty telescope into the heavens now. NASA and all of this and that. And spent so many millions and millions upon it. And they're seeing into deep, deep, deep space. But they're not seeing the city without foundations. We see it. And then you remember Moses. Oh, he had the high visibility of Pharaoh. And the palace and the riches. And all of this and all of that. And what did he choose? He chose a person he never saw. Christ. And all the reproach that come with that. There's reproach in seeing the invisible and going along with the invisible. There's reproach. And he chose the reproach for something that was invisible. He didn't see it. He esteemed the reproach of Christ. Greater riches than all the visible, all the treasures in Egypt. By faith he forsook the visible, he forsook the Egypt and he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Here's this word again. Paul's bringing it out. He saw the invisible. And then we also are following Jesus. Jesus was a pilgrim who journeyed by faith too because he saw the invisible. Do you remember whenever he was on the cross and he was dying? How did he endure all of that? He endured it for the joy that was set before him. It was set before him. He saw by faith, by the covenantal promises of, of the word. We're talking about the humanity of Christ as he gives himself for us. He has faith and trust. And he's praying all those psalms with our, which are expressions of trust and faith in the invisible. And he's enduring because it's all set before him in the word. And he despises the shame and he endures the cross. And now he's set down at the very heart of the reality at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 12. And we pilgrims who are behind that pioneer. We are following in his tracks. And we are looking to unto Jesus. And we are enduring the reproach. And we are enduring the sufferings or whatever. Because we see the invisible. So it's a journey with the living word of God. Showing us Christ. And we Christians are joined to him by, by faith. So in closing, just let me remind you, the gospel is not go to the ritual, go to the visible, go and partake of the material, go and show yourself to an earthly priest, go into a box on a confessional that's earthly and visible, go and get the holy water, go and get the incense, 
Go and get the sacrifice taking place before you and all its visibility on a stone altar. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not go to the altar, go to Jerusalem or go to Rome. The gospel is go to Christ. Go to heaven itself. Go right into the throne room of God and go right to the right hand of God. Go there. And congregation, that journey can only be made by faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What are you depending on? What are you needing? Have you faith? Are you seeing Christ? Are you looking to Jesus? Are you coming to the real and the substantial? And you don't need high visibility of ritualistic religion. You have Jesus. Jesus.